Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Santa Clarita, a city I lived in for three years back in 2011 through 2014, is a city with many great tales. On season eight, episode two, I had the pleasure of interviewing Evan Decker, the president of Mentryville, California, Inc., a nonprofit that is fundraising to restore the Mentryville buildings to the time period of their heyday and open them to the public for tours. Along with this responsibility, Evan also works in other locations around Santa Clarita and has had many experiences at different places such as Heritage Junction, the William S. Hart Mansion, you name it. So, naturally, Evan has had stories at these other locations which I saved for this episode. The first place we will touch base on is the William S. Hart Mansion. I did an Instagram reel on this place a while back, so it is only fitting for me to reintroduce the story and the history of this particular place. Silent film superstar William S. Hart had built a Spanish-style mansion called La Loma de los Vientos on his 254-acre horseshoe ranch in Newhall in 1927. The 22-room house was commissioned to the Los Angeles architect, Arthur Kelly, to build a Spanish-style mansion on the ranch. The name, La Loma de los Vientos, means Hill of the Winds. The mansion was designed to accommodate Hart's wheelchair-bound sister, Mary Ellen, who had exterior access from her second-story bedroom. But sadly, she would pass away in 1943 and William would pass away himself in 1946 only three years later now in his will Hart left his new hall estate to the people of the Los Angeles County despite a contested claim by his estranged son William Jr. the Los Angeles County Department of Parks and Recreation currently maintains the estate's grounds, and the mansion is part of the Natural History Museum of Los Angeles County. Now, while the historic mansion is housed with Western art, Native American artifacts, and early Hollywood memorabilia, there have been reports of something even more intriguing. The tour of the William S. Hart Ranch and Museum has left visitors with the strong impression of something or someone still lingering within these beautiful walls. Speculations arise about the presence of William S. Hart himself, continuing to love his home even in death, or the possible presence of his sister in her room. Docents, 
or another word for tour guides, at the museum often report seeing Hart's ghost, while the ghosts of Hart's two Great Danes have also been observed. In the mansion's kitchen, which is never used, the smell of freshly brewed coffee often lingers, perplexing the docents, which, funny enough, Evan will comment on later in this episode. Now, despite a sophisticated alarm system, motion sensors have been triggered at night when the estate is locked up, but no one is ever found in the mansion. And it is said that the docents maintain a logbook documenting the various unusual experiences and paranormal phenomena on the property. The crazy thing is, it is said that Hart only appears to people he likes. Now, before I dive into Evan's stories, I would love to share some other stories I found on hauntedplaces.org, which I found very intriguing. The first story was an anonymous tale posted in August 2014. When my daughter, who is currently nine years old, was younger, she had two distinct experiences at the Hart Mansion. The first occurred when she was around three and a half years old, while we were at the lower bunkhouse. After she peered through a window, she proceeded to tell a detailed account of a sorrowful man named Black F, who had lost his mother and sister. She even described his attire in detail. The second incident took place during a preschool field trip inside the mansion. Alongside a friend, she knocked on a door and was greeted by a man who seemed to be aggravated that she was knocking. Behind him, she glimpsed three men dressed as cowboys, all focused on a game of cards. She also mentioned the presence of a dog and a cat in the room. Curious about their activities, my daughter inquired, only to be met with an odd glance from the man before he shut the door. Without a doubt, I am convinced that the place is inhabited by spirits. The second story was posted by Liz on March 7th, 2021. During my aunt's visit from Cape Cod, we indulged in a delightful hike and strolled around the picturesque grounds before deciding to take the guided tour of the William S. Hart Mansion. The moment we stepped inside, an eerie sensation swept over me, as if someone was observing us from the distant staircase above. Attempting to dismiss the feeling, I continued exploring the house, but the persistent notion of being trailed persisted. And as we approached the bedroom section, a peculiar sight unfolded before my eyes. A chambermaid appeared to dash down the hallway, passing right through me. The encounter left me utterly astonished, prompting my aunt to question my sudden distress. 
feeling drained of energy. I requested a moment outside and settled on a nearby bench. And I recounted the incident to my aunt. And just as the tour guide was departing, they noticed my state and inquired about my well-being. Seizing the opportunity, I inquired about the spiritual history of the place. Confused, they asked for clarification, to which I replied, I believe I've encountered something paranormal. And at that moment, they acknowledged the presence of such phenomena within the premises. And the last story was posted by Charlotte on May 31st, 2021. Recently, I had a remarkable encounter when I ascended the hill and immediately sensed a distinct shift in the atmosphere. Being deeply spiritual and open to all faiths, I possess a heightened ability to perceive malevolence and could unmistakably sense its presence. However, amidst this eerie aura, I experienced something extraordinary and I believed I encountered heart. While washing my hands in the restroom, I inadvertently broke the faucet, causing it to detach. And as I attempted to fix it, the water continued to flow without ceasing. Astonishingly, the faucet lid began to screw itself back on, effortlessly halting the water's flow. Overwhelmed with gratitude, I couldn't help but exclaim, Thank you! Aloud, expressing my appreciation twice. Now that last one might not be so scary, but it's an interesting tale. But I'm going to leave it up to you if you believe that's true or not. Now, doing research on this place, I kind of went into a sort of a rabbit hole, if you say found another tale posted on a website, sebar.com, where the author claimed to have taken interesting photos of the site, which I will link in the description of this episode. Now, during a visit to the William S. Hart estate, the author shared multiple photographs, one in which they captured images of purple plasma energy, PPEN. On the veranda. A weird shadow in the window resembling a skull face with a cigar. And more instances of this purple plasma energy on the second story and upper tower windows. And the most haunting one I saw of all of them was a pic of the dining area revealing a mysterious figure who was not present during the author's visit. However, it could be possible that the guy didn't realize that a person may have walked through the doorway after he took the picture. And then there is a translucent shadow in the upstairs living room, highlighted as a negative, appearing to show a woman's back and a Victorian-style dress collar. And lastly, a portrait of William S. Hart showing a purple hue in the negative snapshot. So what the hell is this PPEN thing? This purple plasma energy? 
If any of you know what that is, because I could not find much about it on Google or any other place. I would love to hear more about it. And if you want to reach out to me on Instagram at the Scarecast or email me at Mike at the I would love to hear your explanation on this whole purple plasma energy thing. And definitely check out these photographs I mentioned because they are quite remarkable. Now, as far as the tales I've told before, as to whether they're true or not is really up to you. Do you believe in these stories or are these just stories simply made up by someone behind a computer screen? Now, going back to my interview with Evan Decker, a historian, it was only natural that Evan would delve into the history of William S. Hart and his sister Mary Ellen, who have both been known to haunt the home. So basically, the story, the, the experience I had um, here is okay. Basically, Hart he he did not pass away in the house, although I've been told time and time again that he did have a stroke in the back staircase of the mansion. In I think because he died June twenty third, nineteen forty six, and so I think he had the stroke in May. I have a copy of his death certificate in my files, and it actually says on there how long he was in the hospital for until he passed. So I'll have to go and look and get back to you how... So he had a stroke here, and then he was taken down because, you know, there wasn't really an adequate hospital here at the time. There was one in New Hall, but it was very small. And so for a big-time movie star, they took him down to L.A., uh, California Lutheran Hospital, which is now the UCLA Medical Center, where he passed yeah. away. And so, um, basically, people have said over the years that his presence is very much here, and that also that of his sister, Mary Ellen. So his sister, Mary Ellen Hart, uh, who uh, lived here as well, she uh, was very much part of, you know, helping him, you know, be, he was, she was kind of like the behind-the-scenes woman of, you know, the man. And so she was very much helped him with his financial affairs. They had a very close relationship. And actually, she was in a car accident in 1917 where she had to be, she was called a semi-invalid. So she wasn't fully confined to a wheelchair, but there were periods in her life later on where she, um, you know, suffered. And so actually, there was a live-in nurse that would stay here in periods of time and, uh, you know, live here on site and you know care for their needs and when you know because you have to understand when Hart was living here he was retired this was his retirement mansion so he spent the last 20 yeah. years of his life here and so, as well as his sister Mary Ellen so um her presence is felt here a lot actually um some former security guards have even told me like uh one of our security guards from a couple years ago said he was walking he walked into Mary Ellen's room so there's uh certain rooms so when the museum reopens because it's closed right now there's a you know a tour route and you it is a large house like you kind of i mean you can't really see from here we're on the back side because it's kind of built how it was built it's a what they call a bi-level house so the front part looks like a two-story and then it's kind of contoured with the mountainside so it's kind of just perched on the hill more or less mm -hmm. so anywho but um 10,000 square feet, 22 rooms. It's a large house. 
And so I, the experience I had was, it was after tours, and we always have a security guard that uh, follows our tours, you know, and make sure because there's yeah. it's it's left as is, so there is a fence that blocks, you know, the, where the public, but you know, the paintings and everything, it's just hanging there. There's no glass cases from you know, so. Anywho, we, uh, he had, the security guard had left for the day, and my boss had to go down the hill to another um, pr- uh, building on the property to get something out for an event the next day. And uh, he left me up in the... So here's the front of it. This is the front. Okay. So you can see... Uh, as I'm trying to... You can see the big tower right there. That's yeah. the observation tower. And so, anywho, but, um, the, uh, I was up here alone for about 10 minutes while he went down the hill, because the driveway is, it's a quarter mile long. It's a long driveway. It kind of winds its, because we're on top of a mountain. And so, um, I was in the house alone, and I was making sure all the doors were locked and everything, and, uh, I'm hearing these boots, you know, the boots with the little spurs, and you can hear the clinking. I'm the only one in the house. Only one. In the, this large 10,000 square foot mansion. And uh, I'm hearing these boots coming down the hallway with, you know, the sound. Of the, and it's ironic because we actually still have his boots. His actual boots that he used every day at the foot of his bed st- still on display. So it's like he basically wow. left it. That's how well preserved this house is. And so, you know, I'm alone in this house, in this mansion, hearing it, and I, and I actually, because obviously he's the only one that lived here. No other families had lived here after him because he willed it to be a public park. Uh, and uh, I, I literally turn around and I said, "I'm sorry, Bill. I'm just making sure your house is locked up." Silence after that. It was complete oh, silence. Wow. So I'm almost, I was always convinced since that that he was you know just making sure i wasn't you know some intruder remember when i said Hart only showed up to people whom he liked i guess we can assume that evan may have been on Hart's good side to have shown himself so before we move on please don't touch that dial we're gonna take a quick commercial break and before these advertisements play I want to remind you all to please follow me on Instagram and TikTok at the Scarecast. And if you got any scary stories, send me an email at mike at the scarecast.com or send me a DM. And if you enjoyed this episode so far, please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or your respective podcast player. And then another time we had an instance where, so Mary Ellen, so Hart loved animals. He actually was um, honorary president of the SPCA, you know, the Society of Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, for the Los Angeles chapter. And um, he, big animal lover i mean we have all of his 11 dogs are buried here on the property in a little graveyard at the bottom of the hill and so and actually in the house they had their own bedroom the dogs had their own bedroom so they were spoiled and so um mary ellen had a cat his sister had a cat 
little cute little kitty named Westport Puffins. I know, right? What a name, right? And so, <coughs> one time, my uh, my boss and I were sitting in the office here, in the, which is behind this window right here. So this this okay. section here um, is our off museum offices. But at that time in Hearts Day, this was the um, employee. The, you know, they have the help, and so they had the, they had their own bedroom and bathrooms, and so it was kind of like a a service kind of quarters area. And so it's just a long hallway off uh, the kitchens with uh, two bedrooms with a conjoining bathroom. So it's our museum offices. And so my boss and I are sitting in her office and uh, we're just talking, having a normal conversation like you and I. And uh, all of a sudden you hear meow down and, you know, coming down from the kitchens down the hallway. And enough. I mean, it was loud enough, and this was after tours, by the way. So it was after the museum was closed and all that. And so we, it was enough to where we looked at each other to investigate. That's how loud it was. And all the windows and doors were sealed, so they can't you can't open them, you know, either way. So they're all sealed, you know, for security purposes. And okay. so um, they, uh, uh, yeah, it was enough to. Uh, it was enough to have us go investigate. So it is. It is this. This place is one of the more interesting places. And then, um, I mean, there's also been stories where uh, people have felt his dogs, the presence of his dogs here too. Yeah. So um, the Great Dane. So he had uh, the last two dogs he owned were uh, two Harlequin Great Danes. So. Uh, they look like if you've ever, if, I think you can find photos of them on YouTube. They're basically uh, pictures with. Uh, if you ever find any pictures of heart on Google Images with two, they look like Dalmatians, but they're Great Danes that have the coating of a Dalmatian. They were black, uh, white with black spots, I think. And uh, okay. Prince and Gal were their names, and they were uh, huge. And so people have reported over over the years of their presence, uh, uh, wandering, kind of just want because he gave them free roam of the place. I mean, he he spoiled the hell out of his animals, and so yeah. um, I mean, if you who doesn't who uh, you can't spoil you have to spoil your animals to give uh, your dogs their own bedroom, and so uh, yeah, uh, I mean. He would let his dogs have free roam of the place, and so um, that was yeah. another big thing where people have felt the presence of his dogs. I mean, damn, twenty-two rooms. What the hell does he need so many rooms for? Them dogs probably had their own room, bathroom, and a walk-in closet. Those dogs definitely won the lottery for a happy, stress-free life of a dog. And then, I don't know if you've read in your research that the smell of coffee persists in the house. Yeah, I heard that. Now, that actually can be debunked. So, the, so actually, in the, set, in the 70s, the, uh, so Hart's Kitchen, nowadays, when you tour it, you can see it, it's on display, it has all his original, the original appliances, we have his, uh, original electric popcorn popper so on and so forth in the 70s in the early days okay. of the museum that was the docent kitchen 
And so that part of nowadays you can walk through there, it's tourable. But back then that section of the house wasn't open to the public. And so, you know, the docents would hang out there and, you know, brew coffee in the old coffee machine and whatever. And so people, people would, you know, be walking through the house and, you know, obviously get the smell of aroma of coffee. And so, you know, it's like that thing, a telephone where people, you know, smell coffee and think first think oh no ghost he's bill's here brewing his you know nice cup of Folgers coffee <laughs> so but yeah that was the that was kind of like the uh, break room in the 1970s oh, more yeah more or less <laughs> his old kitchen now it's okay. now it's you know set up back to the way it was you know so you heard it here the coffee smell that is often said to be that of a paranormal origin it's nothing more than the docents brewing a cup of coffee while on break. And this was back in the 70s. Which of course could have been mistaken because it no longer serves as the docent kitchen. And with people spreading old stories of this coffee smell, a mix-up most likely occurred during the telling of this legend. What, what did you say about the security guards? Did they say stuff oh, about yeah, what, so, what they... Oh yeah, so one of our security guards years back said he did see as he told me he was coming down the hall because to get to mary ellen's room it's kind of this long corridor and then we have her wheelchair that she used it's kind of you know like an old school kitchen chair on wheels and uh you know out there in front uh you know because you can't her room is one of the rooms it is not open to the public because it's kind of at the end of the hallway and it's kind of hard, logistically hard, to have a, a tour group turn around and, you know, double back. And so yeah. um, he, he was going down the hall and he, as he was entering, as he described it to me, as he was entering her room, on, he's told me sitting on the, her bed, what, he said it was like a, a photo, like a, just a translucent image of her. Because we have, you know, we have pictures and paintings of her throughout the house, and yeah. so he knew right away it was her. So yeah, she. He said he was just, she was sitting there on the bed, just standing there, and then after a few seconds, she just kind of fizzled away. And then another security officer later on, we were closing up the house. He was closing up the house, and he told me this later. He said he saw. So in Bill's room. So, Mary Ellen's room is here. Bill's room is on that side of uh, this part over here. And um, at the, he has a rock, you know, his bed, all the furniture in his room is the exact same stuff. It's left the way he left it. And so, um, there's a rocking chair next to his bed where his boots and everything is. And so, our security guard was closing up. And he said he walked in there, and there was that translucent image of a tall, six-foot, he described to me a six-foot tall man with a, with a cowboy hat, kind of just cross-legged, sitting in the rocking chair, rock, you know, just sitting there relaxing. And Hart was six-foot-two. So... Did he see, like, the rocking chair actually? No, he said, he told me that it was, he was just sitting there. So, these are these like security guards generally pretty spooked out after these experiences, like when they tell you about it. No, at least not not to not when they explain it to me. Not enough to where they you know run out of here. There have been times where former staff have 
that has happened where not here in the museum but down the hill at heritage junction which is within the park boundaries there people have been spooked enough to where they'll be like i'm not coming back now before i dip into my talks with evan regarding another haunted location heritage junction i should give my little spiel on this the heritage junction most recently renamed as the Santa Clarita Historic Center, houses a cluster of historical buildings that date from 1878 to 1927, and it now serves as a museum open to the public. Now, over the years, there have been many reports of ghostly sightings, bringing about the attention of multiple paranormal investigators. Armed with floor plans and dowsing rods, a pair of psychics claim to have communicated with spirits residing in several buildings. Psychic Guinea McGovern saw the spirits of two children in an adult's bedroom in the Kingsbury house. She identified the girl as showing off her dress and the boy as Daniel Drake. Now in the Edison house, psychics sensed a strong negative presence they felt that a murder might have occurred at this very house, with one psychic mentioning the name, Charles Valencia. The American Paranormal Research Association, APRA, had also conducted investigations at Heritage Junction, revealing two chilling audio clips, which I will link in the description of this episode. In one of the audio clips, there is a woman's voice in the Saugus train station and a young boy's voice in the attic of the Newhall Ranch House. The woman's EVP recording had said, Will that be on the train? In the station master's living quarters. The second EVP captured the voice of a young boy saying, I want my mommy. Now, of course, with Evan Decker being involved in the preservation of these historical buildings, he had his very own stories regarding the activity being reported there. Can you tell me more about those experiences? The ones that Heritage... Okay. The ones that Heritage... Like the ones where the, they spooked him enough? Well, I'll tell you one time in the Newhall Ranch House, we had a... Um, okay. We had... Oh, yeah. Oh, my, my friend, my actual... Actually, my, my buddy and I, we were uh, here a couple days ago over by... Uh, not the Newhall Ranch House. That was... That's the most haunted one, but the other most haunted one is the Kingsbury House, the Blue House. And so, um, but the Kingsbury House, I mean, shoot, so it was Sunday. My buddy and I were over there. The report is sometimes the curtains will open and close by themselves. And I've seen it before. And sure enough, and it happens, it's happened in the middle of the day. And sure enough, of course, and, you know, later, you know, later evening, as the sun was going down, but it wasn't quite you know dark we see the curtains start to open and both my buddy and i look and we we could swear we saw the uh, basically from here the like upper chest up a little girl probably about eight to nine years old ish somewhere in there and you could like make out like her hair, like her hairline, because she she had the hair kind of going that way a little bit. And then 
you could I could at least kind of make out the top of her nightgown because it way it cut out here it kind of ended here but yeah that was uh I mean she was kind of appearing and reappearing you know, she would and then dissipate and I mean we were just watching her for like 10 minutes straight doing this 10 full minutes we just kept looking and then what time of the day was this it was probably around 6 in the evening the sun was still out the sun was still out yeah oh yeah oh yeah there's things there that have happened in the daytime you was able to make out the figure of the little girl did you see a face at all or oh fuck yes you, I could see. All I could see was the like. You could see the bridge of her nose, like her, the makeout of her nose. You could see see like her face and everything, but no eyes. At least from what I could see, it didn't look like any eyes. There were any eyes. She was just looking at us, N- total. You know, just just staring. I'm, I mean, it wasn't like I didn't feel threatened or anything. She was just curious. Like that's what the, at least the vibe I got. How'd your friend react? Did your friend ever see anything like that before? He's never seen. He was well. He he's never seen any uh, anything spiritual or paranormal related up until that point. And so uh, I would tell him. I, I've told him a bunch about the place before, like I'm telling you. And so yeah, I, I told him. I said, so when when you come to the park, expect the unexpected. Oh. That's all. That's how I tell all of the new when we have new volunteers or whatever come there. You know, I tell people, expect the unexpected. We have everything from bison to ghosts. (laughs) So when you was looking at, like, is that the first time you've seen an actual figure, like, in the window? Like, before you say it was just curtains opening and closing? So in all my time at at, at Heritage Junction, that was actually the first time I've ever seen an apparition where I can make out facial features. There, I don't know. I, I don't know why, but there was always in the past. I could always feel them there and see like a shadow figure, like a mist, enough to where it can make out male or female. But that was it. This was the most I've ever seen clear. Yeah, and it might. It, it, it honestly might attribute to. And there's this theory that you know old buildings that had you know that have these spirits you have to understand when these buildings they were these buildings were open a lot to the public people could tour these buildings and they've been closed since covid so i feel like they've been kind of just trapped in there and so they've that is kind of building up the that their energy to you know materialize more and so and obviously i don't know it's just a theory but like with me like i've been there so much they know me and so it's it's almost like, hey, how are you? I missed you, kind of thing. I don't know. That's just my. You think she popped out because you brought someone new around? Yeah, she was. I I think so, maybe. Out of all the places that Evan has mentioned, he claims that the Newhall Ranch House was by far his scariest experience. The Newhall Ranch House, originally located in Valencia was built in the 1860s by Thomas R. Bard on the Rancho San Francisco. It became the residence of Henry Gregory Newhall in 1893 and later served as the ranch foreman's residence. A 
after being damaged in an earthquake. It was sold to Six Flags Corp. in 1979 and eventually rescued by the Santa Clarita Valley History Society, relocating it to the Heritage Junction Historic Park in 1990. The Newhall Ranch House has since been reported to be haunted by a mysterious blue lady named Martha, who is frequently seen on the second floor of the home, and an eight-year-old kid named Timothy. During a Ghost Hunters investigation that aired on the Discovery Channel, the crew, along with a pair of psychics, were terrified by a powerful male spirit whom they did a sketch of which I'll link in the description of this episode. And although it is unknown who this man was, it wouldn't be far-fetched to think that it may have been Stanley Rutledge, the husband of Margaret Rutledge, who, according to historians, died in the house in 1916 from a gunshot wound to her left breast. It is uncertain if she was killed or committed suicide. Margaret, a very religious woman who had never toted a weapon in her life, was last seen alive by Stanley as they ate breakfast in bed, right before her dead body was found by a servant who worked in the home. Do you think this is a case of foul play? So yeah, no, it's 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 quite it's really much uh, very much a uh, historical pioneer town more or less. But the ghost stories there, I mean. Each building kind of has its own um, reports to it, its own kind of uh, accounts. But honestly, wow. the most haunted to me, the most haunted one, and it's my favorite house on the on the property. But it is the most haunted one. Every time I walk by, okay. it gives me chills. The Newhall Ranch House. That building. <laughs> It, just talking about it, it, you just you walk in there and you know right away. I mean, literally, I, what I would do because I spent so much time there. I mean, at one point, I had the keys to all the buildings because I was on the board. And so, um, yeah. they uh, there was one time we would have uh, you know people come in and they would say, "Oh yeah, I have a sixth sense. So I'm a clairvoyant," and I would test them. I already knew the narrative, yeah. the history, and everything about that house. And so I'd say, all right, and open the door. And the, and each and every one of them, it didn't matter who it was or they didn't know each other. They they were all telling me the same thing. You can hear the clock. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> so a lot of the reports in that house, there's three major spirits, I guess you could say, presences. One is the, wow. um, the lady in blue. Which you probably heard about that one. That's the famous one. Yeah, I did hear about that. One. So her name is. We think her name is Martha. And so the, the ranch house used to be. Um, so that house. Remember, all the buildings were built somewhere else and then moved there. So the ranch house used to be where, if you're familiar with Magic Mountain, where the employee parking lot is now, which is kind of on the, I guess you could say, the western side of the park, of the parking lot. Before yeah. Magic Mountain, that was the New Hall Ranch. That was where there was a bunch of uh, feedlots there, cattle lots. And that's where all the livestock and all that was. Because before New Hall Land and Farming Company, if you've done research on them, they were, they were a very old company that was actually started by Henry May Newhall. He was a, it was a land company. And eventually, we our generation 
uh, came to know them as built home builders, you know, tract home yeah. builders. But they were originally an agricultural and livestock land. And so the New Hall Ranch house was the ranch foreman's house. And so, because, you know, every ranch had to have a foreman to run the place and to make sure all the cows got fed and all that. And so uh, the house, uh, we think it was also part of the Castaic Range Wars, too, because there's also a, a, a spirit of a cowboy that likes to hang out in the stairwell named Rory McGregor. Oh, wow. So it's, we got Martha, we got um, the cowboy, and there's a third one. There, so the, the third uh, one is the eight-year-old boy named Timmy. Eight-year-old kid. And his yep. name is Timmy. And actually, it's funny because I have a, an actual memory of uh, an experience back with him. Yeah, no, so Timmy and Martha, we don't really have a history behind them. Rory, okay. The only thing we know about Rory is well, two things. He might have been, might have been part of the, uh, one of the cowboys killed in the Range War, or something to do with that, or or a cowboy probably killed on the front because it was the Wild West at the end of the day when these house when the house was built. So the back part of the house is older than the front part. So, Rory McGregor, the cowboy mentioned by Evan, was a spirit I did not get much research on when I initially discovered this haunting. It is conceivable that Rory, a rancher residing at the Newhall Ranch, met his demise during the violent conflicts known as the Castaic Range Wars. According to certain accounts, McGregor's spectral presence is said to linger at the Newhall Ranch House manifesting a courteous individual in his middle years attired in a cowboy hat and boots. And what was this thing about the Castaic Range War? The Castaic Range War occurred between ranchers William Willoughby Jenkins and William C. Cormacle in Castaic, California from 1890 to 1916. The conflict began when the Cormacle purchased 1,600 acres of land that Jenkins had previously settled on. Legal proceedings failed to resolve the dispute, leading to violent confrontations between the two parties. Gun battles, burning of barns, and killings took place during the conflict, with casualties on both sides. Jenkins survived several assassination attempts, including being shot seven times while Cormacle died of chronic kidney disease in 1919. The disputed land, now submerged under the Castaic Lake, serves as a reminder of the Castaic Range War, which remains a significant event in the region's history. Now, before we go on with this story, please don't touch that dial as we will have to take another commercial break. And make sure you watch your back as we leave the wild, wild west. So the back part, uh, the, the part that we all see in pictures with the wraparound porch, that section of the house, the two-story section was built, we think around 1893, and then the back one-story section facing the road is actually from about 1860. So they just kind of attached the buildings, you know, together, more or less, when they built the, oh, wow. this, the newer structure. 
and so it's like a, like a little add-on. Oh yes, and actually the Pardee yeah. house. So the first house next to that, the other greenhouse is the same way. It was actually two houses joined together. So to make it look at what it looks like today, but um, the but about seven years ago we were doing digging through the archives, the L.A. Times archives, and we actually found out that a murder took place there. In about 19, January of 1916. And so you've probably researched about the gunshot death of Margaret Rutledge. When I first started volunteering there, we didn't even... I never heard about the murder or anything. One of our other volunteers had been digging through the archives and found this article along with her uh, death certificate. So we have a copy of her death certificate. And so she was 31 years old when she passed. So she was, Margaret was the wife of the ranch foreman for Newhall Ranch at the time, whose name was Stanley Rutledge. I think the husband did yeah. it. I honestly think the husband did it, in my opinion. The case has never been solved. Um, they could never determine what, how she died, if it was suicide, murder. Basically what happened was the maid found her with a uh, shotgun uh, next to her bed and she had a bullet wound to the heart, the chest oh shit so, but with a shotgun you know, it's maybe it's not a shotgun, I'll have to, I, actually I think let me let me correct myself, it was a rifle it was a rifle Evan would then go on to further describe an experience he personally had at the house involving a teenage couple in which the boyfriend seems to mock the spirits inside the home so, one time when I was working in the ran New Hall Ranch House down the hill at the Historical Society, they were, uh, this uh, teenage couple uh, were walking around, and they, uh, you know, were interested in the history of the house, and I explained it to them, and then the boyfriend goes, and they are probably like 18, 19, somewhere in there, and the boyfriend goes, oh, we've heard the house is haunted, and I said, well, yeah, it's, you know, there's a murder that took place in this house, and people over the years have uh, felt things in this house and so then the boyfriend got all macho and was you know trying to you know stir things up and be like all right come on you know basically doing the whole boyfriend thing you know yeah within within 30, 15 seconds of that of him starting up on the second floor which is the attic it sounded like somebody like threw threw a full-on bookshelf across the. It sounded like that. That's how loud this crash was. The chandelier above us was swaying. That's how loud this crash was from the vibrations of that. And I and I remember kind of like looking up at the ceiling, at the chandelier just and I it was only a briefly like with a couple seconds. And I turn around and they were already clear down the road, out the door, clear down the road, and almost to the gate. That's that how quick. fast they ran out of there. Oh, <laughs> that for as long as I live, I will never forget that experience. I mean, there's definitely memorable ones, but that one, and it was kind of like you know, because I would. How long was the furniture moving for? How long was the? Oh, it was literally like it just sounded like boom, like like an explosion, and they, and they, they booked, booked it. it, and that was it. It was like literally, it was like that, and then it was so quick, man. It was so quick. I mean, these, like I said. These experiences, these um, these inc incidences, only ha last like happen within fifteen seconds. 
you know yeah. they happen so quick and so um and it's funny because i would always tell people you know and be like you know it's it's more or less like walking into somebody's house if, if they don't want you there they will let you know or they you know that sort of, it's like you know it's treating them with respect it's like it's like it's like if i'm gonna be a dick to you you're gonna be a dick to me back of course and so it, it's kind of like the same concept and so yeah the boy i i kind of laughed after that all i i remember i kind of like chuckled i'm like well that's kind of what you get for provoking them you know and so yeah i'll never forget that one man is there something you do once you start like going into these buildings you have to like sage it or something no because because no because i know that like the whole like following me home thing no because i know they're 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 not going to because they're so attached to these buildings um i mean let's put it this way when i'm in the new hall ranch house for example at heritage junction so all those buildings like i told you over there were not originally built there they were all moved and so the new hall ranch house used to be like i said uh where magic mountain is now and so when i was younger there was a gentleman he was he's since passed his name was uh uh, dean jd gallagher his brother dean uh also i interviewed him too but they this was when they lived in that house when it was still they were the ranch for one of the last ranch foremen for new hall land and farming company and um this was we're talking like from the 19 late 1950s up until 1973 so we're talking well over 50 years ago they've since passed they're no longer with us type of thing and so they i remember being in in the new hall ranch house i was probably like 16 17 and dean dean mr galleon telling me that they would have to like lock bolt all the doors because they have this spirit that they would call mr jingles that would kind of like play practical jokes on them kind of be a a funny nuisance more or less so there's always been and and these instances happened you know know, when they were living there in the 50s and 60s 70s so and obviously the house has been moved so the spirits have and i've had experiences there as i've told you already and so yeah the spirits have definitely they're, they're so attached that they basically followed with the move of the house so uh that i'm really not cons- uh, to me i've never been concerned about them following me home now not as to say that it's definitely caused to some people it's caused like health um you know it's caused them mental you know like my one friend i was telling you the, remember my friend bridget when we would investigate there it, i mean it she, but she also kind of provoked them so it, it kind of yeah. But I mean, it, it, it means her and her husband divorced. So not too long after, you know, they left, she left. And so it was, it really kind of tore, you know, for certain people, the house kind of ate at them, if you know what I mean. But, but for, for me, I was, at, you know, at that point, I was so used to, I was so used to these experiences. Like now, if, if something were to happen to me, it would be so second, it's so second nature. While I am not knowledgeable of many direct cases that have involved someone making fun of ghosts and then being haunted as a direct consequence, 
The concept of mocking or disrespecting ghosts or spirits in folklore and popular culture usually carries warnings about consequences or some form of retribution. And one thing I know is to never mock a spirit. And I mean, of course, we see this happen in movies all the time. It's kind of like that meme, the more you fuck around, the more you're going to find out, right? It's a positive relationship. Even entering into haunted spaces is a form of fucking around because you're putting yourself in a place where a spirit can reach you since you are in their domain. The Frighteners, a film released in 1996 directed by Peter Jackson, was a horror comedy that follows a man who can communicate and form friendship with ghosts whom he used to stage fake hauntings to con people out of their money. But the protagonist would encounter a malevolent spirit that wasn't too fond of his antics and the spirit started to cause real harm. Now this plot, which does show someone messing around with a ghost, makes me think, do ghosts actually have feelings? Do they get pissed off or vengeful when people act bad towards them or mock their presence? In many cultural and religious beliefs, Ghosts or spirits are often considered to be the souls or consciousness of deceased individuals who have not moved on to the afterlife or who have unfinished business on earth. As such, these spirits may be thought to retain some aspects of their personality, memories, and emotions from their previous life. For example, in some ghost stories, spirits are depicted as being angry, vengeful, sad, or tormented due to unresolved issues or tragic circumstances surrounding their death. These emotions drive their actions, leading to hauntings or interactions with the living. Like Evan said, if someone is acting like a dick towards you, you're prone to act like a dick back. And that's why that teenage boy left that house so fast because he knew what the hell was coming to him. So Evan, can you tell me a little more about like when you said those the people that claim to have psychiatric abilities? Like, oh, oh, the what, what did they say? That was like, what did they say when they would say stuff? With the New Hall Ranch House, what they would so when they every time they would it was the same thing. I would uh, lead them in through the front door. So immediately in the front door, there's a part the parlor where the fireplace is, and then there's two rooms off the side. And so you would wa- they would walk in, and you would just, I remember one of them, like, immediately through the front door, start, uh, she walked in, and it was like, oh, like, you could tell her vibe changed, like, she felt something, you could tell. And so, um, she says, oh, I, I feel a great sense of sadness in this house, something horrible happened here, blah, blah, blah. And then for all three, all of these people would immediately go to the room to the left. And that's where we think the room where Margaret Rutledge was murdered in. So, and there was one time we were, so I used to, (laughs) having keys, um, I used to bring uh, friends of mine that were ghost hunters. I have a lot of friends that are in the paranormal field and that uh, these two particular ladies that I know, um, they've investigated there for many years. Actually, one of them was in the Ghost Adventures episode of Junction. <laughs> uh, Bridget, if you've ever seen that episode, it came out back in 2013. But um, 
there's a, a woman on there, blonde, long blonde uh, haired chick named Bridget that Zach interviews. And she, it, uh, that house and her, do, it's a weird like friction thing. Like, I don't know what it is with her in that house, but it was always just for her being in that house was unhealthy. It always changed her. And so, but it was only with her in a negative way. Everybody else, it wasn't as bad. These two lady friends of mine, Linda and Bridget, they investigated their years before uh, I even started volunteering there. And so I feel like, and they would, I mean, spend nights there. And so I feel like with Bridget, I mean, literally there was one time we walked in, it was just Linda, Bridget and I, and we uh, were in the, uh, we were outside, you know, we would just meet up and, you know, ghost hunt, just impromptu. Hey, let's go ghost hunt. I have the key. Let's go. And so um, uh, it would be, you know, fine and dandy outside within, I remember distinctly this one particular night, we were, you know, all normal and whatever. Within five minutes of being in that house, I, I kid you not, Bridget turns to Linda and they're best friends. They're like sisters. Bridget turns to Linda and says, I want to kill you like looks her dead in the eyes and i was standing there like i i was standing right there and you could see like she was serious in her in her facial expression it was like she was ready to like do something horrific and so it was no like build up to that she just said it out of the blue no no she would always there were times and i think at that time too there were times where she would be like i just don't like being in here i don't and she kind of, i'll be honest with you she kind of provoked them a little bit so it was kind of she would kind of be like more or less you want a piece of me kind of thing she's a she's a very kind of tough lady uh you know tattoos rock kind of and so she kind of I think provoked him to a point where they kind of inflicted harm on her because they never did anything bad to me in all the times I've been there. I've heard crazy things, but never she's been touched. She's been pushed. Um, that's those kind of things have been, have never had. She was scratched one time in the, in the upstairs. That has never happened to me. Is it when that lady, um, so when she said that shit, that I want. What did she say again? Was it I want to kill she you? Was basically, like, I want to effing kill you. That's so. What exactly that. happened? What happened after that? We left because it was. We already knew it was kind of just like it was going nowhere, and if we stayed, if we if we felt like if we stayed longer, it was just going to keep going south in that house, and so we left, and I locked the house up, and she was fine. She it just was, snapped back was, to normal was, after that? Yep. Did she yeah. know she said that? No. No. She had no recollection. You guys told her that, like, maybe, like, later on? It was a, It was probably, yeah, because it was at the time. I didn't have, she, they drove me home, so it was later on they, they in the car, uh, oh, shit. we told her. Yeah. And the other lady kind of realized that it wasn't her, it was like... A possession it was, sort it of was, type of thing. It, I don't. I don't know. I wouldn't go as far as I don't know if it would be considered a possession because it wasn't like it wasn't like a full on like her voice change. Her voice tone was still the same. So same. I don't know. 
I don't, it was just her personality was like completely different. But her voice, her tone, I don't know. I, 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 it was, that was one of the more bizarre experiences I've had in that house. That is pretty bizarre. And how long did that experience happen? Was it just a quick, like, minute or? Oh, we weren't even in the house five minutes, dude. (laughs) We weren't. So her behavior changed as soon as she walked through the door. Basically, within the first five minutes of being in that house. Wow. Too many times to count where I have been present with paranormal, you know, these paranormal investigators walking with them uh, through the historical society. And actually, I'm glad you mentioned that. I actually participated um, in a seance in the New Hall Ranch House. I've been in two seances in my lifetime. That one, in the, the one in the New Hall Ranch House, and then I was in another one uh of all places, the Queen Mary. I participated in a seance there uh, in, on the Queen Mary. Wow. So, but the Newhall Ranch House one, um, that was interesting. That was very, very, very interesting, that that uh, seance session. I mean, literally, the table that we were sitting at was jumping up and down. And it wasn't anybody's leg moving, because I actually yeah. kind of, like, went, like, kind of looked down to check to make sure. And, no. And this thing was like going boo boo boo, you yeah. know. It was like literally the, the it was like the ex, you know the exorcist <laughs> in the scene where the you know the the foot of the bed is going boom 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 on the floor. It was like that more or less, a little lighter, but still the, yeah. the concept. The time in the ranch house that was creepy. And going back to Timmy, and him, my so in that seance we he would have uh, trigger objects, you know, little toys and whatever. And we had a red bouncy ball. And I kid you not, that ball went from one room to the next. It, it, that thing rolled around like from one room to another. It was the most mind-blowing thing I've ever seen. And there's no windows, no no draft that could have pushed it? No, the, win- the windows were all, there are big windows, but they were all shut and latched at the time. And actually, at the time we did this seance, it was in October, right before um we opened for a haunt we used to do a halloween attraction there kind of like fright fest we'd use part of that we'd do mazes and use part of the house the rooms in the house incorporate those as the in the maze how did the people running the seance how did they react to the table jumping up and down? Second nature, because the gentleman who officiated the seance has been a paranormal investigator, and he's actually a retired archaeologist, grew up in the L.A. area, but he's done, he's investigated this stuff for 50 years plus. So this, he's, you know, he's been, he, these people have been doing it, you know, the people I do it with and try, you know, because I wouldn't just do, because you know how seances are, they could be dangerous. And so, um that i would never participate in a seance the only reason why i i did is because the the gentleman that officiated it has been doing this stuff for so long and he's you know born and raised la um so he's very much in tune and he's probably he's investigated probably every haunted historic location in the uh, los angeles and even i would go as far as to saying the entire southern california region and so um so yeah, that's that's the only reason why I, I don't condone them, but that's the only reason why I participate in because he 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 does like a whole opening permission statement and then a closing statement and all that. So he does he does okay. it correctly. Did he 
what was the talk when that happened though did he say like what it might have been did he say it was positive energy negative energy or uh probably a minute or is he as i remember that it because the seance, this seance when we did it it was in 2010 i was 13 i was 13 yeah. years old oh, wow. when this i when i participated in that in this and okay. so, at, at least from what I could re recall, it was kind of a mixture of both. Because the room we did the seance in, it was in the room we think Margaret Rutledge was murdered in. Um, so there's always been, I wouldn't say negatives, uh, in, in the sense of like evil or bad, more like a sadness, like a, a sad, sorrowful feeling. So, in case you guys don't know, which I'm sure there may be some listeners who wouldn't know, what is a seance exactly? A seance is a spiritual or paranormal gathering during which people attempt to communicate with the spirits of the deceased. The term seance in French means sitting or session. During a seance, a medium or a person with purported psychic abilities acts as a facilitator to establish a connection with the spirit world. The participants typically sit around a table or in a circle and may hold hands and create a sense of unity and energy. The medium may use various methods of communication in order to communicate with the spirits, such as holding an object that belonged to the deceased or using an Ouija board to spell out messages. The purpose of a seance is to receive messages from spirits, gain insights, seek guidance, or attempt to resolve unresolved issues from the past. Participants often ask questions, and the medium may relay responses or symbols believed to be coming from the spirits. Seances are part of spiritualism, a movement that gained popularity in the 19th century with claims of communication with the spirit world and the afterlife. And as for why the table began shaking so violently during Evan's experience, I'll leave it up to you guys to interpret whether this could have been tied to some sort of particular energy. Evan mentioned that he did not see anyone forcibly moving the table, and he also mentioned that no one got harmed. Now, before we go on with this story, please don't touch that dial as we will have to take another commercial break. So, but yeah, I mean, that that uh, was definitely one of the more interesting. And then um, another time we had, uh, so back then down there, we used to have... Um, you know, like how Six Flags has their, you know, Magic Mountain has their Fright Fest Halloween attraction. So, that when I actually first started volunteering in 2010 at the historical, so that's where I started first before coming up here. Uh, I we used to do this. It was basically like a Fright Fest. It was called the Heritage Haunt, and we would actually uh, turn part of the rooms, decorate, uh, start in the summer, and build these really cool mazes. And we would actually incorporate rooms in the Newhall Ranch House as part of, as part of the maze. Yeah. And so um, that's 
how I started, and, and we would do, you know, paranormal investigations after, you know, as part of the event and everything, but, uh, yeah, no, that, that was, those were, so we would, oh, that's where I was going, so we would actually have meetings in the, in the back room of the New Hall Ranch House, which was the old dining room, we, it's, it's, it's not furnished to the time, so, Basically, all the buildings are in various stages of restoration. The new Hall Ranch House is in the furthest back, you know, furthest from being restored. So at that time, what was the old dining room, of, we used it as a meeting room. It had, you know, a refrigerator, you know, it was a, you know, like, a, like a break room, like a typical break room. And okay. we were having a meeting in there, and we were introducing someone new onto the haunt team. And we were... Uh, after the meeting was done, we were all just kind of talking. And there, mind you, there were 12 of us in this room. So it wasn't just me. It wasn't, you know, a few people. There were 12 people in this room. So we're introducing somebody new onto the team. And, and I was there too. And uh, after the meeting, the one person goes up to her and says, you know, by the way, you know, this house is like one of the most haunted house, the most haunted house in the Santa Clara Valley. A murder took and, and she basically, you know, went BS, you know, you're pulling my chain type of thing within five seconds. So we had these pictures of previous haunt events on the wall, on the walls throughout the room. And one of the pictures actually flew off the wall and landed on the table. Jumped off the wall. And it was on like, if you're familiar with what a J-hook is, it's like, a, it's not like, a, it's like a J-hook, you can just, you know, set the picture frame on so you can't just pull it off you have to kind of like lift yeah so it jumped off the wall on its own and landed on the table and all 12 of us saw it and to this day she is a believer wow five seconds of her and 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 that was and that's all it took <laughs> did she see anything did she see anything else after that the do you have uh all I, she well, she was convinced after that for sure. <laughs> I mean, it's not every day you see a picture uh, fly off a wall on its own. <laughs> did the picture frame break when it landed on a table, or was it just? It was a plastic. Laid out pretty yeah, it was. It was more or less laid out. It was a, just a cheapy plastic, you know, picture frame. So it didn't break. It just kind of. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, to be a fly on the wall in that room. <laughs> Wow, did anybody ever get harmed in that house? Bridget. Bridget. That's the only person I can... Oh, yeah. Was that the one yeah. that you said? Uh, oh, she, she the definitely... Said, there were, there were, was actually, now that... that Now that I think about it, there was a, a, a time where she was scratched in the house. On the second floor. Mm -hmm. The second floor has always been the most active part of the house. Of the New Hall Ranch House. And even I, when I would go up there, I oh, I never liked going up there alone. And I would never go in that house at night. I mean, I did, I, I have been there at night alone, but it was kind of like one of those things where I just, it was kind of like, you have to like suck it up and whatever. But. What makes you have to go Because I would do, I, I would do some work. I was kind of, I was a, I'm a workaholic. And so, uh, yeah. you know, do you know grounds work and whatever you know 
And I had access, because I was on the board of directors at the time, I had access to everything. So I would just go there on my own time, at any time, at, you know, during the day or night, and just do whatever work. And sometimes I'd end up knocking out, falling asleep there. But, wow. you know, there's eight buildings. I, I, <laughs> I preferred the station. When I was on the board, I was 18 years old. I was, you know, any yeah. 18, if you were given, let's put it in perspective. If you were, if you, when you're, think of your 18, you know, go to your 18 year old self. If you were handed keys to a historic building, to eight historic buildings, would you want to bring your friends there and, you know, have them, you know, let's go, hey, let's go a little, do a little ghost hunting. Of course. And oh, so yeah. I would do that sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes. And sometimes, uh, I'll be honest, I would, we would do like little sleepovers. And so, um, my buddy and I were, spent the night there, and we woke up, I mean, what we, um, it was so loud, it shot us out of bed. Um, we heard a gunshot in the house, but it wasn't, like, outside, because where we are in at night, it's kind of like a, you know, there are, you hear gunshots and whatever in Newhall, um, but it was it sounded like it was inside the house because it was loud we were in a deep sleep and it was loud enough where we both shot like synchronically shot out of bed you know i'm gonna be 26 this month and it, you know come to think of it i've basically been here working volunteering however you want to put it half my life i started here at 13. so um you know i've seen enough <laughs> <laughs> So you and and what do you like? Because it doesn't seem like you really trigger the spirits in the houses as much. Well, right? I've had clairvoyance and you know those mediums and whatever tell me that the spirits are happy that I'm because they 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 know I, I'm in there to tell their stories, the history. Because like I said, it all yeah. you know. If you really think about it, to have a ghost, a paranormal ghost story, or a haunting period. There has to be some hit. You have to have history tied to it. You have to, because that it's it's basically, if you think about it, it's like a re a replay of history. These haunt these paranormal occurrences. It's it's basically a replay of history, and so um, you you really have to you know have the history to have a haunting, as I would say. So. Yeah, I've always, I've always been yeah, told like, that um, the spirits all that all the spirits and all the buildings like me because I'm you know I, I I'm trying to tell the truth and tell the history and you know preserve the history all at the same time. Evan would then go on to tell me about the haunted train station within Heritage Junction. Uh huh. I mean, like one time and the, there was one time. Oh my God! One more. I guess one more story. Um, in the train in the train station so in the second the second floor of the depot um, when the station was active as a railroad depot so they had what was the upstairs was the station agent's apartment so there was you know he was the guy that made sure the trains were on time that you know they were coming and going smoothly and so um, the upstairs it's just four little rooms in the Saugus train station and that was the apartment for him and his family. And so, um, after the station was moved to the, uh, by the Historical Society, we used that as our archiving offices. You know, we had big scanners in there where we would, you know, scan documents and inventory, picture, you know, 
basic, you know, archival shit. And so, um, uh, I caught my office, because it was the only one that used that room frequently, was the old living room. And so you would have to go, to get upstairs, you would have to go through the gift shop, through the kitchen, through a doorway, up a stairwell. And there's several series of doors you go through. And what I would do is when I would unlock the building, you know, disarm the alarm because there's more. And I would lock the door, deadbolt it, every door behind me. It was almost instinctual I would do it. And so when you, in the kitchen, there was, we had an electric, uh, it was basically just a prep kitchen, a warming kitchen for, you know, we'd have, uh, we would have events there and we'd use the kitchen. But we had um, pots and pans and everything stacked up on top of the stove. And um, I walked by, just, you know, whatever, not, you know, doing my normal shit. I go upstairs, and I, this is, and by, by the way, this was at 9 a.m., so this was in the morning. And so I go to turn on my computer, and I literally, I kid you not, man, it sounded like somebody, th- like, took that whole stack of pots and pans and just chucked them across the room. It was, I, I kid you not, it was that I, I, I was this close to calling the park office to tell them, uh, be ready for a bunch of cops to show up because I think someone's breaking into the train into the station. And so I, I shouldn't have done. Well, now look, I'm glad I did now. But I actually went to investigate, and I went down the stairs, you know, because the doorway between, basically, the doorway at the bottom of the stairs is to the kitchen. And so I'm like, hello, is anybody there? I'm calling, the cops are on their way. Because it literally sounded like someone's room. And so no no response, nobody was, you know, replying back. And I go and open the door to the kitchen. Pots and pans stacked up just as I passed them the first time. Nothing was touched, nothing was moved. Nothing was moved. This was at nine, I will never forget, that was another big, I've had little experiences there, but that was definitely another one of those major. Um, oh yeah, that one. That one definitely startled me. I, I think I. I think I left that day. I, no, I, I. I locked the building. I, I went down because I'm friends with pe- the people down in the park office, and I went down and hung out in the park office for like two hours because I did not want to be in that building alone. I was like, nope. <laughs> Did anybody else ever say they had a similar experience to that? We've heard, like, people have heard loud sounds and bangs and crashes, yes. Um, several paranormal groups have actually caught Class A, full-on Class A EVPs in those rooms, actually. And Bridget, so my friend Bridget, the same lady that did a fr- the freak, that had the freak out, she is a professional photographer. And in that same room years prior, before I started volunteering there, she captured a series of, she basically, with her camera, went and took five, you know, flash photos, you know, consecutive, just going around the rooms and and it ended up in the room that was to be my office. She gets the picture and the image of, of a, it, you can see the image, it's just a shadow, basically we call him the shadow man, see him wearing a brimmed hat and in each photo consecutively he looks like he's climbing out the window 
And it, remember I pointed in that picture, that, that addition, that box car, that, that thing that was attached. So that was on that side. It was an addition. There was like a laundry room like a porch sun porch kind of thing in that it was a converted box car so that'll be all the stories from the interview between evan and i if you have stuck around this long thank you so much for listening to this episode i want to give a huge shout out to evan decker who came on not just for this episode but also my other episode Season 8, Episode 2, Mintryville, where we talk about Mintryville, the first haunted location in Santa Clarita that I ever brought up on my Instagram and TikTok videos. Make sure you all go follow Evan's organization, Mintryville, California, Inc., on Instagram. The link will be in the description of this episode. And also follow Evan's Instagram page, SCV History Moments. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and a review on your respective podcast player. And if you have any stories you would like to share on my podcast, either written or interview form, similar to what I did with Evan here, please don't hesitate to reach out to me via Instagram at the Scarecast or email Mike at the Scarecast.com. Of course, everything will be in the description of this episode. And as always, Be safe, and until next time. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program.